Genesis chapter 1 this morning. So far in our series, we have covered most of chapter 1. We've touched on the creation of mankind last week, but we have yet to consider this with any detail. So that's what we're going to look at this morning. If you'll look with me beginning in verse 26 of Genesis chapter 1, the Bible says, And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in His own image. In the image of God created He him, male and female created He them. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb-bearing seed which is upon the face of all the earth and every tree in the which is the fruit of a tree yielding fruit. To you it shall be for meat. And every beast of the earth and every fowl of the air and everything that creepeth upon the earth wherein there is life, I have given every green herb for meat, and it was so. And God saw everything that He had made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. So we've now come to the most treasured part of God's creation. The creation of mankind. No other aspect of God's creation is as unique or cherished by God than we are. Last week I spoke about how mankind did not evolve and to justify that I used how God had created every living creature after His kind. There are no subspecies of humans. There are no inferior races. And this is probably explains why the term mankind ever came into being to begin with. Mankind. Animals were created after their kind. Man was created after their kind. And there are no in-betweens. Hallelujah. In Acts 17.26, it says, God hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth. We are all of one blood this morning. We all have common ancestors all the way back to Adam and Eve. When God created mankind, He says in verse 26, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And there's no other aspect of God's creation which is said to be made in His image or in His likeness. And now we have to address the obvious, and I know some of you have been in church long enough to hear this repeatedly, but let's just address this, why God says, let us. And God says, in our image, after our likeness. Who is the us? Who makes up the our? Clearly, God is not creating singularly here. And it's immensely important that we get this right here in the beginning of our Bible because it will affect your opinion of who God is through the remainder of your Bible if you don't understand God here in the beginning. You still got another 1,188 chapters to go. At this point in creation... Who could have been present with God? Well, we could maybe say possibly the angels. 
But any who try to make that interpretation must prove that angels could assist God in the work of creation. But nowhere in the Scriptures is it ever hinted at that angels create anything. I personally believe this is because angels are created beings. And as created beings, they don't have the power to create. And if Job 38 is referring to the angels, then all they did was rejoice over creation. They never assisted in it. And then it would have to be proven that angels were created in the image and likeness of God. Something again that the Bible never says. It only mentions man being made in God's image and likeness. Now, the reason why all of this is so very important is because it has everything to do with the Godhead and deity. There are religions who teach otherwise, and they are even incorrectly labeled as Christian. The Jehovah's Witnesses teach that Jesus was created by God. The Unitarians also believe Jesus was created and that He was only human, hence their name, Unitarian. The Mormons believe Jesus was the offspring of a heavenly father and a heavenly mother. All three teachings are blasphemous because they remove the deity of Christ. This is a major issue. They lower Jesus to just another part of God's creation. Well, that changes everything. Since both believe Jesus was created, or, or all three of those, then how could Jesus create? How could Jesus be God if He was created? Who has the power to create? I believe biblically only God does. That's the only person in Scripture who has ever said to create. Therefore, when God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, our only viable option is to admit that God must exist in three persons. We call this our triune God. You've heard the term the Trinity. In fact, every time you read God in Genesis chapter 1, the the Hebrew word for God is Elohim, which is the plurality of God. And I know that this can seem confusing to some because it sounds like we are polytheistic and that we actually worship three separate gods. But we believe our God is one God. And yet He is manifested in three different persons. 1 John 5, 7 says, For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. So we have the Father, the Word, which we know is Christ. I'll say more about that in just a minute. And the Holy Spirit. And the Bible is clear that all three in the Godhead are one. God makes Himself known as our Father... He makes Himself known as our Savior, and He makes Himself known in His Spirit which indwells every believer. Three functions, one God. I've mentioned this before, but I always like to go back to the illustration that Eric McCarty gave here once about trying to describe the Trinity. He said that, and I'll just use me for an example, I am a son to my parents, I am a husband to to my wife, and I am a father to my children. Three different functions, but I'm one person manifested differently in those three areas. And I think that's a very good illustration. And in the new birth, all three dwell in us because all three are one. Try to get a hold of these verses here in John. It'll be a blessing to you if you do. This further reveals the Trinity. John 14 Uh, verses 16 through the first part of 17 says, Jesus says, I will pray the Father, 
and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth. So what do we have? Jesus saying, I'm going to send the spirit to you to dwell with you forever. John 14, 18, we're in the same chapter here. Jesus says, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come unto you. He said, I'm going to give you the spirit. But then he says, I'm going to come unto you. And then later on in verse 23, Jesus answered and said unto him, if a man loved me, he will keep my words and my father will love him and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. Isn't that interesting? And so we have there in John chapter 14, Jesus said, I'll give you the spirit. He'll abide with you forever. I will come unto you and me and my father will come. And all three. You see how God works here being three in one. I know I'm trying my best to make this as understandable as I can, and I don't know that I ever am communicating this effectively, but all three are mentioned, the Spirit, the Son, and the Father, and all three are said to come in unto us. Jesus would send His Spirit, He follows that up with Himself, and He follows that up with God. And so all three are present in the child of God. What a blessing. Well, how could God be present in heaven and be present in the person of Christ when He walked the earth? How could He be at both places at the same time and now in every believer all at the same time? Well, He's God. <laughs> That's enough right there. He's God. Listen, He's, he's omnipresent. He can be everywhere at once. Along with that, he, he's, om, he's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He's omniscient. He's all-knowing. So the Trinity, it might be a difficult concept for some of us to wrap our head around, but I don't know how in the world any so-called Bible student could deny the plurality of our God. And yet there are religions built off of that that are being labeled as Christian. How do you get Christian with no Christ? Now, it's easy to state that when God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, that it has to refer to a triune God. But are there any scriptures to back this claim up? Absolutely. John 1, verses 1 through 3, In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. How do we know Christ is the Word? Because later on in John chapter 1 and verse 14 it says, The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And John 1, 2, it's clear that Jesus was in the beginning with God. Which means He must not have been created. And John 1, 3, it makes it abundantly clear that all things were made by Christ. Ephesians 3.9, And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. Colossians 1.16 and 17, speaking of Christ, it says, For by Him were all things created, that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by Him and for Him, and He is before all things. And by Him all things consist. Hebrews 1.10, And thou, Lord, in the beginning hath laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of thy hands. Revelation 4.11, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things. There is no denying that Jesus Christ is present when God says, Let us make, go, uh, make man in our image. And if you're going to be honest with the Word of God, you have to admit that. You say, boy, why are you so fired up about that because there are millions being led astray about who Christ is and if we get Christ wrong we get salvation wrong Jesus said in John 10 30 I 
and my Father are one. So, I wanted to get that out of the way. That sees the plurality of God here in our text. Well, real, real quick, I probably should mention God the Spirit. Where is He at in all of this? Well, He's already mentioned in verse 2. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Your Bible ought to have that S capitalized. There's some King James Bibles that don't. You ought to have that capitalized in your Bible. The, the JWs have changed it to the force moved upon them. They take out the Spirit. In John chapter 1 where it says, and He was God, capital G, they put He was a little g, God. Say, so how do you get around seeing Christ there in creation? You change the Bible. Now, what does it mean to be made in God's image after His likeness? For certain it means we are the most unique aspect of God's creation. Man was not made in the likeness of anything created before it. But man is the only part of God's creation made in the likeness of the Creator. Some suppose this means that as God is three in one, so man is three parts, body, soul, and spirit. And I certainly take no issue with that application. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So for sure, having a soul and a spirit makes us significant. Amen? That makes us better, higher than the animals. But I think the idea of being made in God's image may go deeper than just having a body, a soul, and a spirit. Matthew Henry taught that man was made in God's image in three ways. One, in nature and constitution, in talking about our soul. And two, in place and authority, in the fact that we were giving, given dominion. And three, in purity and rectitude or morality. And then I, I read this quote by Matthew Henry. I want to read it to you. I, I found it very helpful. It says, quote, God's image upon man consists in knowledge, righteousness, and true holiness. He was upright. He had a habitual conformity of all his natural powers to the whole will of God. His understanding saw divine things clearly and truly, and there were no errors nor mistakes in his knowledge. His will complied readily and universally with the will of God without reluctancy or resistance. His affections were all regular, and he had no inordinate appetites or passions. His thoughts were easily brought and fixed to the best subjects, and there was no vanity nor ungovernableness in them. All the inferior powers were subject to the dictates and directions of this superior without any mutiny or rebellion. Thus holy, thus happy were our first parents in having the image of God upon them. End quote. And I find that helpful. Many understand this idea of, of being created in God's image this way from Ephesians 4.24, which says, And that she put on the new man, which after God, or in God's image, is created in righteousness and true holiness. Now, if I've lost you so far, I need you to stay with me. You see, this is how we were created in our original state. We were created perfectly by God. We were created righteous. We were created holy. In short, we might could say that we were the visible rep representation of God upon this earth. The God that uh, we cannot see today when we were created, we were made in that image. We were that representation. God made mankind and He set us apart from the rest of creation. 
We have intellectual abilities that are far superior to the animals. We have a mind which is capable of hearing and understanding God. We have been given emotions that are capable of responding to God. We've been given a free will which allows us to choose whether or not we're going to love and obey God. And while we were created perfect and holy, something happened. Something happened very early on in creation that changed this and it corrupted our image and our likeness of God. Just as Lucifer originally was full of wisdom, perfect in beauty and perfect in his ways from the day he was created until iniquity was found in him. So too mankind was perfect until iniquity was found in him. Adam and Eve, they decided to sin against God. We'll see that in chapter 3. And with sin having entered the world and now death by sin, we took on a different image than how we were originally created. We took on the likeness of sin and the devil. Jesus said to the unbelieving religious Jews in His day, Ye are of your father the devil. The lust of your father ye will do. This is what took place in the Garden of Eden. Remember that Lucifer fell and he became Satan because he wanted to be like the Most High God. and He wanted to ascend above God and so Satan does the logical thing in his mind when he comes to the garden. He begins to tempt Eve of, to eat of the forbidden fruit. He said in Genesis 3.5, For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open, and ye shall be as gods knowing good and evil. And in that moment, when mankind decided they wanted to be as gods, just like Satan wanted to be as God, they began to take on the image of the father of lies, the devil himself. Do you hear me this morning? While on the Isle of Paphos, Paul said to Elimus the sorcerer in Acts 13.10, O fool of all subtlety and all mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness, wilt thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? And John wrote in 1 John 3 8, He that committeth sin is of the devil. The image of the devil seeks mischief, it is the enemy of all righteousness, it perverts the right ways of the Lord, it is sinful, and that describes our life apart from God. We were all born in enmity with God. Because we all inherited Adam's sin nature. Romans 5.12 tells us, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all that all have sinned. Listen to this now, Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and done what? Come short of the glory of God. That's not how we were created. We've all come short now of God's image. God's likeness. We first created, we resembled God. But now in our sinfulness, we no longer resemble His glory and His likeness like we once did. And in this lost condition we were in, we would have been without hope being without God in this world. Being nothing more than a reflection of the devil because all we did was go after our lust. We were dead! and our trespasses, and our sins. 
Ephesians 2, 2 through 3, where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. That's the devil. The spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desire of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Aren't you glad it doesn't end there? The next verse in Ephesians says, But God, but God, who is rich in mercy, for His great love wherewith He loved us. You see, God made a way for us to be restored back into His image and likeness. To be restored to the glory that we once had before we came short of it. So what did God do? The Creator God stepped down from the realms of glory. Came down to His creation in the form of a man born of the Virgin Mary. He came in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. John 1.14, I read it earlier, but um, I mentioned it earlier, but let me read it to you. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And listen now. We beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. What happened? We'd fallen short. We needed somebody who had the right kind of glory to come among us. Because man sinned and corrupted God's perfect creation, we could no longer bear that image and likeness of God. So Jesus came to us and He was the and is the perfect visible representation of the unseen God because He's the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. Colossians 1.15 says of Him, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. Hebrews 1.3 says that, who being in the brightness of His glory and the express image of His person. Jesus told Philip in John 14, 9, He that has seen me has seen the Father. So in the fullness of time, God sent forth His Son into the world in the likeness of sinful flesh. The Bible says, But we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death. The sinless one became sin for us. For He hath made Him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. How was man originally created? Ephesians 4.24 said, In righteousness and holiness. God came to reconcile us and bring us back into His image and His likeness. And on the cross, Christ shed His blood for the remission of our sins. He laid down His life a ransom for many. Christ died in our place so that we might bear His image and the glory of the Father. He died so that we might be renewed and made a new creature and be made a new man. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And I'll read Ephesians 4.24 again. That ye put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and holiness. Colossians 3.10 And have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge, after the image of Him that created Him. We needed the new birth. We had to be born again because our old image no longer reflected the proper image of God. And so He came, died. He, he gives those who come to Him a new man, which is created after His image. And so in dying for us, we are now able to be restored to our former glory 
which we were originally created in, because now sin is no longer a barrier between God and man. Those who have come to Christ for salvation, we get a new slate. Somebody say amen right there. Our sins are washed away. There's no longer a barrier in between. And so now we are able to be with God, look like God, be transformed by God. Romans 8.21, For whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to what? Be conformed into the image of His Son. How were we created? We were originally created in His image. But we messed it up. So Christ came so that we could be made again into His image. Jesus prayed in John 17, 22, And the glory which Thou hast given Me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. 2 Corinthians 3, 18, But we all with open face, beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. And today, for those of us in Christ, we can once again bear the image and likeness of God as we become like Christ, as we become Christ-like. But we must yield ourselves to Him. We have to give ourselves to God to conform us into His image. And now the only barrier is really this carnal body, which God has chosen not to, to deal with until we die. Amen. We have to drop this body. Why? Because the Bible says flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. And so we have to get rid of this sinful body. We have to be given a new body. We have to be glorified, given a glorified body. 1 Corinthians 15, 49. And as we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. 1 John 3, 22. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him. For we shall see Him as He is. Philippians 3.21, speaking of, of God and, and Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto His glorious body. And in that day when we're with God for all eternity, we'll be fully in His likeness, fully in His image. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Psalm 17.15 says, As for me, I behold thy face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I shall awake with thy likeness. Are there any today still living in their sins? Do you still resemble the image of the devil? Going after your lust, living in your sin, dwelling in tents of wickedness? You must be born again. You have to be made a new creature in Christ. Christ died for you in order that God might transform you, to conform you into the image of His dear Son. But you have to come to God and you have to acknowledge your sinfulness and your need for Christ as a Savior. And only then can you experience the new birth where all things become new. Now let me ask you, Christian, this morning, those of you in Christ, are you bearing the image of the heavenly as God has ordained you to do? Or are you living in sin apart from God today? Whose image are you really taking on? You need to confess your sins and you need to get back in a right relationship with God. Once again, bearing the image of God to the lost and dying world who need to see you as a reflection of God. So where are you at today? Let's pray.